Hello, Saints. Todd here with SafeguardYourSoul.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are so blessed to have these moments together in the Word of God. Uh, And remember, Saints, there's nothing, there's nothing, no thing uh, happening on God's planet that is even remotely as important as the work of the gospel and feeding the sheep of Jesus Christ for whom he died to save so that they can grow in grace, they can be edified, they can be equipped for the work of the ministry according to the scriptures. And let me just guarantee you this one thing, by the grace of God, this outreach will continue to unapologetically endeavor to preach the whole of the word of God, regardless of who gets offended or not, in Jesus' name. And please remember that your prayers and support are vital to this operation. Thank you. According to Holy Scripture, the root determines the fruit. That fruit which is being produced out of your life is coming from whatever you are rooted in. Now, we must ask ourselves, the Bible says, examine yourselves to see whether or not you are in the faith. And why is that? Well, examine yourselves. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. Examine yourselves. That's a command of God. That's an instruction. We should always be crying out with, uh, as did David, and said, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting hallelujah psalm 139 i believe that is verse 23 and 24 is it also we have psalm 51 hallelujah psalm 51 with a the blessed man after god's own heart cries out to god for cleansing he had had a time of sin, a season of sin in his life as a man of God. or uh, And uh, he wasn't acting like a man of God. I think all of us can relate to that after Jesus saved us. Somewhere along the line, most of us didn't act like his children. And so that requires repentance. And Psalm 51 is one of the most beautiful and beloved psalms in the Bible, probably because we can all relate to it. I don't know about you, but I can relate to everything that I read in the book of Psalms. You know, in the book of Psalms, I call it, uh, this would go for the whole word of God, but I, I call it specifically the healing oil of God, to drink the healing oil of God. In fact, your heart is not going to be grateful. It's not going to be content. It's not going to be full. It's not going to be joyful. It's not going to be whole and healthy unless you're drinking from the fountain of living water, unless you're drinking the healing oil of God. And, you know, I don't know about you, but my heart sags. It droops, the Bible talks about, when it's not full of joy and the the oil of joy is the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. And that's what the wise virgin believers, the very few who have been saved, a small percentage, who are ready to meet Jesus are doing. They are drinking the healing oil of the Lord, uh, and they are full of His joy. The first three dimensions of the fruit, notice singular, the fruit of the Spirit, 
Galatians 5, 22 and 23 is what? Love, joy, and peace. I don't know about you, but I want to live with a heart that is full of love, joy, and peace. In fact, the Bible says he that is of a merry heart has a continual feast. How many listening want to have a continual feast? Why should there be intermittency? Well, brother, difficult things happen in life. That's true. But there doesn't have to be an intermittency or a a, a lack of love, joy, and peace, because there's no lack of the Holy Spirit, no matter what you're going through, whether you're on the mountaintop or in a valley. Yes, we have a message on safeguardyoursoul.com. I want to encourage you to listen to it. It's called, He That Is Of A Merry Heart Hath A Continual Feast. I want to continually be feasting on the Word of God and therefore full of His joy and my heart being that which God calls a merry heart. Look it up on safeguardyoursoul.com if you want to listen to that one. Also, uh, just put in merry heart into the search box, and it'll come up. Jeremiah, the prophet, said this. He said, thy words were found, and I did eat them. Oh, boy, he got in the word. He found the word of God. If you have a Bible, find it, beloved. Find it. Pick it up. You got to walk across the room, get it. Jeremiah said, thy words, what is he talking about? The words of God, thy words were found and I did eat them. He ingested them. He devoured them. And thy words were unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. The joy and rejoicing of your heart never has to cease If you'll keep it full of the word of God, full of the oil of God, the spirit of God, those are synonymous, if you will, then you're going to be full of the joy of the Lord, which is your strength. You see, those who get into the word of God and remain in God's word are having a continual and uninterrupted, a a, uh, unintermittent, I guess there's a better word for that, a perpetual feast. That's what we just read in Proverbs fifteen fifteen. All the days of the afflicted, it says, are evil. See, those that are afflicted because they won't drink from the fountain of living water, won't drink the healing oil, won't get into God's word and stay into it, are afflicted. They're conflicted. They're full of anguish. They're full of shame. They're full of guilt. They're full of worry. It's going to happen. And by the way, that doesn't mean God doesn't love you. Because if you're listening to me, I can tell you on the authority of his word that he does love you. But you have responsibilities in this relationship. You see, isn't that the way it is between a man and the woman? Okay. It's not a one-sided thing. You both interact with one another. You fellowship. You relate. You communicate. Okay, and you give and receive of each other, and that's when the bountiful blessings of that relationship are at their height, and that's how it has to be with God. In fact, let me just say this on that note. If your relationship with people isn't right, it's because your relationship with God isn't right, and he wants to amend that, but he's going he, to need you, as he said to Israel in the Old Testament, amend your ways, which means repent and do things my way. Just watch how I'm going to bless you. 
Remember, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all. Let me say it again. All, Jesus said, these things shall be added unto you. I love that song. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you hallelujah hallelujah the lord has blessed us with so many psalms and hymns and spiritual songs there's so many scriptures that are sung and have been sung for thousands of years by the body of Christ. And that's a good one right there. And perhaps God wants you to sing to him today. Maybe Psalm 51, create in me a clean heart. Whoa, God. Amen. Isn't that a beautiful one? And renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, O Lord. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Mm. Remove. Wait, I forget the, the rest of it there for a minute. I wasn't intended on singing, but I encourage you, and I did that just to prime the pump, to whet your appetite, to begin to sing to the Lord. One of the greatest scriptures that has blessed my life is every, every morning and it just bubbles up out of my spirit and out of my mouth is, uh, this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I tell you, if you hit the devil on the chin, <laughs> as soon as you wake up with a song and a scripture, I tell you what, that's an uppercut. Anybody that knows uh, martial arts or boxing or combat sports knows when you hit somebody with a with an uppercut, that's the most leaf, lethal blow that can be dealt, okay? So that's what I'm saying figuratively, of course, that when you get up praising God, you're kicking the devil or you're punching him under the chin. And what happens when somebody gets punched under the chin, they either drop dead like a 2000 pound brick to the ground or they they backflip <laughs> and we don't want to be doing that physically okay guys don't get the wrong idea but paul did use for, uh, physical sports to illustrate spiritual truth and that's what i'm doing here i want to encourage you to decide tonight that before you go to bed that you what i call premeditate bible says meditation we are to meditate on the word. And so you're meditating and premeditating that when you get up in the morning, if the Lord wakes you up, you're going to seek his face. And what you want to do is say, Lord, I'm going to seek your face. If you wake me in the morning for another beautiful day with you, Lord, I'm going to read your word. Lord, I'm going to lift my hands and my heart and my mouth to praise your holy name because you alone are worthy. Hallelujah. We're in a battle. We're in a war, friends, and you got to get your dukes up and start swinging. The sword of the spirit is the word of God. That is your offensive weapon. If you're not fighting, you're losing. If you're not seeking his face, you're sinking into darkness and you will never overcome and you will never be one of the five 
wise virgins who's going to be with Jesus. No, instead, you're going to be shut out of his eternal kingdom because you counted this world and the lust of your own filthy, sinful flesh more important than seeking God and putting him first. Let me encourage you to stop your life, repent today, find a place with God to seek his face and confess all of your sins and go on a fast. Somebody listening might need to go on an extended fast to break the yoke so God can break the yokes and set you free to worship and serve him. Perhaps you have a cloud of darkness. You have heavy yokes that have been hindering you and making you sluggish. Almost like you're sinking in, in, in uh, quicksand and can't recover. And you need those yokes bro- broken. Get into Isaiah 58. And remember that the Lord wants to give you a continual feast. This is God's will. And it comes through adherence to the exceeding great and precious promises of the Lord. Which the word of God contains and are the word of God is those exceeding great and precious promises. The word of God is God's word. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. All things that pertain unto life and godliness are found in the word of God. He has your answers. His word gives you those answers. So many folks running around trying to hear the voice of God. I tell you what, you obey God and you have a prayer life and a praise life and a life in the word, and you're going to be walking in the will, which is the word of God. The will of God is the word of God, and the word of God is the will of God. You don't have to run around and do all kinds of special things to try to hear the voice of God. Get in his word and obey it. And that's who Jesus is going to abide with him and the Father. Okay, he's not gonna, he's not filling the lives of and using the folks that are over there soaking in the church building, but like a bunch of new agers getting full of the devil is what I it's what I'm thinking. No, the true disciple is humbly serving God. They're in His Word, His words in Him, and they're literally obeying Him. Okay, those guys can go camp out and so called soak all they want in those church buildings. That's not how God works. God wants you to obey him with the faculties and the energy and the body and the spirit and the soul that he's given you. Take those feet. Go walking. Go take those hands and give give something to somebody that needs it. Okay, do something practical. God's going to anoint that. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 18, uh, that we're not to love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. You see, the Levite and the priest walked right by the man in need who had been destroyed by the world, robbed and and uh, left for dead. We got a lot of people that are especially spiritually robbed and ripped up and torn up and wounded from the world. And the religionists just walked right by him. Just like the uh, Levite and the priest did, Luke 10, in the Good Samaritan story Jesus gave us. But the true disciple, like Christ, the Good Samaritan, who stoops down and helps the man in need, doesn't even ask any questions, but compassionately and with empathy loves him and literally helps him. 
There may be a time when you don't have a lot physically. That's what happened when the lame man sitting at the gate of beautiful and uh, called beautiful in Acts 3 was encountered by Peter and John who were going in to pray as they, their custom was each morning uh, in Jerusalem while they were there. That man looked on them to give him something and Peter said, silver and gold have I none. See, many times we're without physical ability to help people. But I can tell you this, that every time I've obeyed God by stopping my vehicle or wherever I was and getting out of it and trying to help somebody, he's always done something really special. And most of the time, guys, this ministry is not really supported very abundantly at this point. <laughs> so I might not have anything to give these people. Now, usually lately we have Bibles and books and uh, if I've got some, happen to have some food in my car, it goes to the people, they get it. But sometimes we don't have physical things, but we can still be a blessing. Actually, the Lord can use this, I should say, just like he did with Peter and John. Peter said, look, sir, you're in need of a miracle. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I give, have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And that man stood up and walked. His ankle bones received strength. What a beautifully worded thing, especially in the real Bible, the King James Bible. Go read that afresh. In fact, read chapter 3 and 4 of the book of Acts. That is a monumental story and a notable miracle that God did in raising a lame man up. Lame from his birth, I believe. And he was walking and leaping, it says, and praising God. Saints, silver and gold we might not have, but such as we do have, and that is a relationship with the Lord, the King of kings and Lord of lords, in his holy name, so many things can happen. People can get saved. People can get delivered, can get devils cast out of them, can be healed on the spot in the name of Jesus. And most importantly, and the most notable miracle is that they can be saved. There is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Acts chapter four, verse 12. And then in verse 13, uh, it says this. Okay. And this is still in the story about the man who was lame from his mother's womb and is now walking and leaping and praising God all over Jerusalem. And the people in that city knew him from a young, when he was a young boy and they knew he was lame and could not walk. And now they're witnessing the same man walking and leaping and praising God. And Peter preaches that there is salvation in no other. Neither is there salvation in any other. See, that's the whole reason for miracles. Okay, not so you can go use that to build your ministry, but to glorify God and to bring people to Jesus. Neither is there salvation in any other. Therefore, he catapulted off that miracle and preached the gospel. And I mean, he let it rip in chapter three. And here in chapter four, verse 12, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven 
given among men, whereby we must be saved. And that is the name of Jesus Christ. And then it says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. Amen. Some people might look at us like that. These guys aren't as polished as we are. They don't have as many degrees. I mean, isn't that exactly how the Pharisees derided Jesus in John 7? Well, it sure is. Now, when they saw the boldness, why were they bold? Because Acts 1.8, just before this and just before Pentecost, it says, but you shall receive power after, not before, but after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you and you shall be witnesses. Amen. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is available to every born-again believer. And it's just merely a matter of saying, Lord, I want to be full of you, not me. I want more of you and less of me. John 3.30, you must increase, but I must decrease. I encourage you, if you're not baptized with the Holy Spirit, to get alone with God and to ask him to fill you afresh and to fill you overflowing with his Spirit. That's why these men who were unlearned and ignorant were able to be so mightily used of God. And Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He wants to use you in a powerful way. Notice verse 13 again. Now when they saw the boldness, see the Holy Ghost in them granted his boldness. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. May people take knowledge of us. And if they know nothing else about us, let them know that we have been with Jesus. When you're with Jesus, you're in his word. His word is in you because see his word is not going to get in you or me unless we get into it. And that's what happens when a man lays down his life to follow Jesus. Luke 14, 33 tells us, Whosoever Jesus said, Whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Well, brother, you might ask, is laying down your life biblical or are you just making this up? Well, let's see, let's see. Uh, we could go to many scriptures, but let's just say Jesus talks about laying down his life, right? Then he calls us to follow him. John fifteen thirteen. greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And that primarily speaks of Christ laying down his life and giving up his life blood, that precious blood from the veins of Emmanuel on the cross of Calvary to justify and sanctify each of us to bring us into his kingdom because God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Amen. It wrote our names in the Lamb's book of life. And then it says in first John, well, that's also speaking of us too, that we're to lay down our life for our lives, for our friends, for anybody outside of ourselves, if you will, and walk in the golden rule. In as much as that you, you uh, 
you would that men should do unto you, do ye even so to them. Are you walking in the golden rule, beloved? And that's part of getting in the word of God is continuing to be brought back to the place of love, loving God, not yourself, laying down your life and loving him. Okay, denying yourself, taking up the cross and following him daily, which the Holy Spirit and the grace of God will enable you to do. Hallelujah. And if you're listening to the Lord, that's where he's leading you, to the cross. Make no mistake, even though most of the preachers we listen to never mention that you must die to yourself, it doesn't matter. You're still responsible. It's still in the word. And the Holy Spirit of God, if you know the Lord, if he knows you, is always going to be leading you and me every day to lay down our lives afresh. Amen. If you'll get down low, the devil has got to go. Amen. God is going to raise you up, but he's not going to raise you up until you bow down low. He lifteth up those that be bowed down. Psalm 145, 14. His remnant of those that are taking root downward and bearing fruit upward. Amen. That's how it works. The death and burial must precede the resurrection. If you will obey the Lord because you love him and you're worshiping him and you will die to yourself. See, you are dead and your life is hid with Christ and God. Colossians 3, 3, he is going to raise you up and you're going to start saying, wow, this is how he lives his life through us. This is the true walk of a disciple. Yeah, that's right. It's a Galatians 2, 20 walk where God is living his beautiful life through you. You can't do it, but he can. And he requires you to lay down your life so that he can raise you up. And then you're going to overcome those things that once held you bound, that beset you, those sins which so easily beset you. That's the only way the Christian life works is through the dynamic or the economy of the cross. You've got to die. Get in the Romans 6 and read it over and over and over and ask God to instill this biblical, this principle, this kingdom truth in you because you're not going anywhere, friends, not anywhere upward or good without laying down your life, without obeying the master you claim to serve and dying to yourself and being crucified with Christ. I highly recommend you fast at least one day a week. Amen. These are things that are in the word of God, which we started off talking about. Okay. And if you will, and if you will obey them, you will adhere to Jesus and let him be the master of your life. You're going to see the success of God begin to take, uh, to manifest in your life. Remember Joshua one, eight, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do it according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. You want good success. You want to prosper in the definition of the divine, in God's definition, not man's definition. Okay, man tries to turn everything into money. Okay, but those are very miserable people. Let me tell you, say it again. They're very miserable. See, they're like the layout of sins. They were rich in earthly goods, but they were what? Poor, blind, miserable, and naked. Now, that's one of the worst things he says right there is that they were naked. That means they were undone. They were not clothed with his, Christ, 
a garment of righteousness, which means they were going to hell. Wait a minute, that's the church. They were going to hell. If you know anything about Bible language, you go look at a, about the fine linen of the saints. In fact, here it is right here. This is the seventh of the seven churches. The number seven is the number of completion. And some believe, and I have to agree, not that it's limited to this context, but it's seventh because it greatly relates to this last hour where affluence, material and financial affluence, is at an all-time high across the world. And Jesus knew that. He made all things. He knows the end from the beginning. So notice they were lukewarm and they were getting ready to be spewed. That means rejected from his mouth. Rejected from his body, like the five foolish virgins who were once engaged to Jesus. That's like, that means they were saved, but they weren't in the bridal chamber yet. They didn't get into the, they didn't make it to the eternal bridal chamber with Jesus. They were cast out and shut out because they didn't abide with him on his terms. Okay. And anybody telling you that you once saved, always save you eternally secure, no matter what is a fraud. Those are funeral directors, man. Those guys are trying to make you to become one of the five foolish virgins in Jesus's teaching. Matthew 25, one through 13. They're wicked. Doesn't matter how many degrees they have or how many people follow them or, <coughs> or how many books they wrote or how eloquent or convincing they sound. They're false teachers. These are children of the devil. They're turning the grace of our God into a license to sin, lasciviousness. Jude verse 4. These are ungodly men, it says. But wait a minute, brother. You're calling my pastor an ungodly? If he's teaching, once saved, always saved. Yes. And I, I would ask you to go tell him I said it. If he wants to talk to me about it, he wants to pray about it, get in a word about it, or debate it publicly, let's do it. Okay? And the word's going to take him down. That's why most people don't want that challenge. Because the word of God is too powerful. And they don't want to give up their little pet doctrine, their little golden calf doctrine that's made them a lot of money over the years. Okay? Because when you start telling the masses that they can be saved and basically live any way they like, and it doesn't matter. They're still going to heaven no matter what. You're going to get a lot of people. You're going to build your nickels, noses, and numbers, and you're going to go to hell, and so are they. Okay, so verse 17, Revelation 3, because thou sayest, Jesus speaking here to the Laodiceans who were lukewarm and getting ready to be spewed out of his mouth, he says, because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods. Notice, they were rich in this world. They were increased with good. There was a lot of affluence and industry going on in the city of Laodicea. Okay, so because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. Did they weren't hungering and thirsting after Christ? They didn't need him, quote unquote. They didn't realize they needed him, but they did. <clears throat> but they were full of self. They had no desperate need to call on him for any uh, physical need or anything. Just like today, people have insurance. They have all of these uh, protection mechanisms, if you will. They pay all this money betting on they're gonna betting that they're gonna get sick. What did we do a hundred years ago, man? <laughs> There's no such thing as insurance. But how did all those people make it for six thousand years? Well, I guess God took care of them. Isn't that, isn't that a concept? See, people don't know how to trust God anymore because they're so entrenched in this world, and that's what you see here. 
They said, I'm rich. I'm increased with goods. I have need of nothing. But the Bible says, blessed are those which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. That's what Jesus said. For they shall be filled. They weren't full of God. They were full of self. They were trusting in the things of this world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And Jesus tells them they must repent because they're not right with him. And if that's you, God's telling you to repent at once before it's too late. They said, I am rich and increased with goods have and have need of nothing. And knowest, Jesus said, and knowest not. And this is what Jesus said of them. They thought they were rich and increased with good and, and had need of nothing, that they had it all. Okay, but Jesus said, you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Five things, all clearly showing that they were not right with God. They're wretched. These people were wicked. Okay, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Maybe that's why God causes us to lack sometimes through seasons. He's teaching us to depend on him. Not things, not money. Your sense of well-being and your only blessedness and, and wealth now and forever is what you have of Christ, not of this world. So you're carnally minded. And Romans 8 says to be carnally minded is death. There it is. Death means separation. Talking to the believers. And right here he's talking to the church at Laodicea. These were saved people at one point. See, but now he says they're wretched, miserable, poor, spiritually poor. He's not talking about physically poor or monetarily poor because he already said in the same verse, Revelation 3.17, that they were rich and increased with goods. That's revealed right here. Self-evident. But Jesus said they were poor. They were destitute of the life of Christ because they were depending on self and not on the Savior. This is a magnificent letter to the Laodiceans to get into, saints. In fact, let me encourage you to read all the seven letter letters of Revelation 2 and 3 to the seven churches, and God is going to speak to you through each of them. In Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 5 and 6, Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man. Wow. Let me read it again. Cursed. <laughs> Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man. Are you trusting in yourself or in Christ? Cursed be the man that trusteth in man and, that, and maketh flesh his arm. He relies on the arm of the flesh and whose heart departeth from the Lord. Now, what do we see here? Several things, including that anyone who's trusting in man and the arm of the flesh, well, I've got insurance, I've got money in the bank, I've got investments, we've got a nice car and a nice house. You are totally trusting in man and the arm of the flesh, and your heart has departed from the Lord, the Lord, just like the Laodiceans did. This is Jeremiah 17, 5 and 6. Your heart has it not might have, it has. It already has. Okay, you've already departed from the faith. You're not trusting in Christ. 
You're trusting in all these other things that you propped yourself up with and built your life upon a sand foundation and the winds of judgment and the waves are going to wash you right out. You're not grounded in Christ. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. Memorize and meditate upon it. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, without faith, without fa- without what? Without faith, it is impossible to please him. And, and we read in Galatians 5, 6, faith which worketh by love. See, the, here's your problem. You follow the love of self. Not You don't love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Because if you did, and if you do from this moment forward, which I hope you do, if you repent, you're going to do what pleases him, not yourself. But get in the word and repent and get right with God. Okay, that's my encouragement to you. That's the goal here. Not that you like me, but that you you decide to repent and love him and not yourself. Verse six of those who do not trust God, but they trust in the arm of the flesh and whose hearts have departed from the Lord. Jeremiah 17, six. And this is a magnificent chapter, by the way. Jeremiah 17. For he shall be like the heath in the desert. And shall not see when good cometh, but shall inhabit the parched, the dry places in the wilderness, in a salt land, and not inhabited. Man, you're in a spiritual desert, and it's self-induced because you refuse. You have refused to repent and trust God. You're trusting yourself. Well, everybody else has it. Again, Broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there be which go, go in thereat. Matthew seven thirteen and 14. Then he says, in verse 7, Jeremiah 17, Blessed is the man, who's blessed? Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, whose hope the Lord is. Amen. When Jesus is everything to you, that's when you're going to see the blessings of God. That's when your heart's going to, rejoice that's when you're going to walk in that merry heart that has a continual feast when your trust is in god you're going to be like a tree planted by the waters verse 8 and that spreadeth out her roots by the river and shall not see when heat comes see then you're going to be secure when you're dead and buried with christ you're going to be secured because you're doing things god's way not your own way or some other way or some local church's way. If, you, if your local church or whoever you like to listen to isn't preaching that you must die, they're not teaching you God's way. They aren't doing it themselves, apparently, because if they were, they'd be preaching it. They're false. Let me say it again. They're false. If you're not preaching the cross, you're not preaching the original gospel. You're preaching another gospel. And you're a false teacher, and you're accursed. Galatians 1, 6 through 9. So for those who trust God, it says, For he shall be like, be as a tree planted by the waters, and that spreadeth out her roots by the river, and shall not see when heat cometh, but her leaf shall be green. Talking about flourishing here. And shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. What's the fruit of your life, friend? Examine yourselves whether you be in the faith, lest you be a reprobate. Second Corinthians thirteen five, as we mentioned earlier. See, verse 9, the heart is deceitful, Jeremiah says. 
above all things and desperately wicked. And that's what you see at work right here in this passage among the people of God in, in Jeremiah's day and also in Revelation 3 with these Laodiceans. You see, friends, there's no new thing under the sun. There's always the Old Testament and the New Testament and the present counterparts. Ecclesiastes 1.9, there is no new thing under the sun. There's no new trick of the devil. There's nothing different with the wicked and the righteous. The righteous choose to love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength and love their neighbor as himself and to do things God's way. Everyone else is a wicked counterfeit, especially those that believe they're saved and aren't doing things God's way. So the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart, verse 10. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. See, there we go with fruit. The root determines the fruit. The root determines the fruit. Now, we're going to finish up in Revelation 3 and bounce over to a couple of verses in Luke 6, and then we're done. Listen to this, verse 17 again. Jesus tells the Laodicean believers, or who were once believers, because Thou sayest, I am rich. and You can say they're saints and Christians all you want. Okay, call them whatever you want. But listen to what Jesus says about them. He already told them that they were getting ready to be spewed, rejected from his mouth. If they didn't repent. Because thou sayest, I am rich. See, they trusted in self and the riches of this world, the fleeting riches. The Bible says they, that riches have wings. They're flying away. When you really is the love of God perfected, hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith he abideth in him on himself also to walk even as he walked. Amen. When you follow Jesus, you're learning from him directly to walk as he walked. Amen. God bless you, friends. May God bless each of us to be more and more rooted and grounded in Christ today and heretofore in Jesus' name. Thank you for you're coveted. We covet your prayers for the fruitfulness of this outreach to get the word of God into the hearts of the people locally and all over the world. God bless you, friends. Well, brothers and sisters, it's been a blessing to spend these moments with you in the Word of God. And remember, there's hundreds of more Christ-centered, Scripture-rich, uh, edifying podcast on safeguardyoursoul.com forward slash audios. There's also a store page with uh, uh, several, many books on there for your uh, edification in Christ. They're all scripture rich and Christ centered. Also, tens of thousands uh, of saints and sinners are being reached every month. And uh, your prayers are coveted for the fruitfulness and supply of this outreach. God be praised, by the way, for those who are supporting. And feel free to visit uh, our donate page on the site. And uh, uh, you can use your debit card, PayPal, or Patreon. And you can become a monthly sustaining member if you choose to do so. And a gift of any amount is so appreciated. Part of this outreach uh, is to equip and supply other ministering disciples across our great country and uh, all over the world. And uh, 
may God be praised that uh, there's fruitfulness happening among his people and through his beloved saints as we know that the return of our Lord Jesus Christ draws nigh. And we say together in the words of Revelation 22, even so, come Lord Jesus. Amen.